The scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. It is found on page 848 of your black uh, pew Bible. I invite you to open your Bible or pew Bible for the reading of God's Word. As this morning we conclude our sermon series through the Ten Commandments. Let us ask the Lord to bless the reading and hearing of His Word. Gracious Father, we do give you thanks that in your love and in your mercy, you have given to us your Son to be our Savior and to be our Lord and the Lord of heaven and earth. And we pray now in his name for the blessing of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you will help us to hear your voice speaking in Scripture. We pray that you will now give us clear and attentive minds with spiritual discernment, that you'll open our hearts and that you will uh, create a hunger in our souls for your word that we might feed upon it. These things we ask for the glory of your name, through Christ our Savior. Amen. Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, let us hear the word of God, beginning at verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them, that is, others among the religious leaders, uh, disputing with one another and disputing with Jesus, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, the scribe asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever, and to his name be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen. Well, throughout the four Gospels, most of the scribes and Pharisees that we meet, the religious experts that we read about in the Gospels, most of them are hostile to Jesus. They are usually trying to trap him in his words or trying to defame his character in some way. But there were at least a few exceptions. And this morning we meet one in the Gospel of Mark. We don't know his name. He had heard some of his fellow religious scholars debating with Jesus and and that comes in the preceding passages, and they were asking him kind of these sort of funny questions, trick questions, trying to trap him, trying to trip him up. And, and this scribe noticed that Jesus was answering them quite well, and, and he seems, I think he seems, to try to do Jesus somewhat of a favor. I mean, by that I mean he, he asks Jesus a question, which is very straightforward. It's a good question. It's a serious question. It's not a trick or a trap question. And if Jesus answers well, 
Well, that should put a stop to all these other hostile and trick questions. Here's the question. Which commandment is the most important of all? Again, it's a serious question. It's a good question. And Jesus does not hesitate. He answers immediately by quoting Scripture. That's important. He doesn't make up his answer. He quotes Scripture. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, saying, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. So there it is. The most important commandment. To love God with all our heart. Now Jesus could have stopped there. But He didn't. He didn't because His point was not merely to prove or simply to prove that He could give a right answer. Now, Jesus took the opportunity to teach those religious experts what they really needed to know. And so, Jesus continued, again, quoting Scripture immediately, without in interruption. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, Jesus' answer really is very intriguing. The scribe asked him, what is the most important commandment? Well, there can be only one most important commandment. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. But, but you see, it, it's almost as though the most important commandment doesn't stand on its own. It, it's almost as though the most important commandment is somehow incomplete by itself. It's almost as though the most important commandment doesn't say enough. As strange as that may sound. And, and Jesus, therefore, immediately continues, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he adds this comment, there is no other commandment greater than these. Okay, we might interpret that to mean simply, these are the top two. That would be technically correct, I suppose. But I think that Jesus was making a different point. Why did Jesus go on to say, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself? You see, I think Jesus was speaking of these, of these two commandments, love the Lord with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, as really one, as an indivisible unity. Jesus was teaching that these two commandments are to be understood indivisibly, inseparably united with one another. That will give you a true understanding of the law of God. That will, that will teach you what is really most important about the law of God when these two, love of God, love for neighbor, are connected indivisibly and inseparably. Now why did Jesus answer in this way? uniting love for God and love for neighbor together as an indivisible unity because by doing so, you see, his answer, here's the, this is where we're going, this is the next point, his answer 
really included all of the Ten Commandments, every one of them. You see, because Jesus was, by way of concise summary, referring to all of the Ten Commandments, the two tablets of the moral law of God, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart refers primarily in Psalm to the first four commandments. You shall love your neighbor as yourself refers in Psalm to the commandments five through ten. Now, and, and so when Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, what he is really doing is referring to all of the commandments together. And Romans chapter 13, verses 8 and following, makes this very point, uh, at least with respect to the second tablet of the law. The Scripture says, The one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And then in his letter to the Galatians, the Apostle Paul also wrote, Galatians 5.14, The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, you see... The, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments may be distinguished from one another, but they can never be separated from one another. They can be, never be divorced from one another. Where there is no true love for God, there will be no true love for neighbor. Where there is no love for neighbor, there is certainly no love for God. In his first letter, the Apostle John put it this way, If anyone says... I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So in answering the scribe, Jesus was first of all making the point that true love for God is always linked with love for our neighbor, inseparably. And you see, this point was aimed with a punch, particularly at the Pharisees, the religious leaders. You know, they were very big on right answers. They were very big on the first tablet of the law concerning love for God. They were very big on things such as not taking the name, the name of the Lord in vain and on keeping the Sabbath holy. And good for them. Good for them for being so careful to observe the law of God with, with those in that regard. But... The thing is, Jesus continually confronted them and condemned them for their lack of love for their neighbor, for their lack of compassion upon those in need, 
their unwillingness to show mercy to those who needed it most. Now consider, for example, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You may remember the story. A man had been robbed, beaten, and left for dead on the side of the road. When a priest came down the road and saw the poor victim, the priest passed by on the other side. Why? Because the priest was on his way to perform religious duties. And if he came into contact with a dead body, he could not fulfill his religious service. So rather than take the risk, he passed by the victim. Next, a Levite came along. He was the priest's assistant. The same rules applied. So he passed by on the other side. And then a Samaritan, a despised man of mixed blood, came along. But when he saw the man in the ditch, he had compassion on him. He bandaged his wounds, took him to an inn, paid for his time of recuperation. And the whole point of that parable was to teach what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, in the parable, the priest and the Levite represented those who who thought they were proving their love for God by strictly following the laws concerning religious service. But Jesus' point is that they were missing the point of God's law because they were failing to love their neighbor. And therefore, their supposed love for God was actually shallow and superficial and self-serving because it propped them up in their self-righteousness. You see, the New Testament's emphasis upon loving our neighbor as ourselves really makes the point that it is through loving our neighbor that we show our love for God. Now, this doesn't minimize or diminish the first importance of the first tablet of the law. It does not. Of course not. Of course it is important. It is of first importance that we worship the true and living God in the way that He teaches us in Scripture, that we do not worship other gods, that we honor His name, that we keep the Sabbath holy. Those commandments are of first importance. But but here's the point. You know, the world could really care less about our religious observance. The world could really care less about our religious observance that makes us feel good about ourselves. How do we show the world that we really love God? How do we show the world in a way that the world can see that we really love God? And at least one answer is by loving our neighbor as ourselves. There's also something else that we should not miss. The scribe, as though he were the superior, the teacher, asked Jesus which commandment is most important of all. And Jesus' answer unites love for God and and love for neighbor. It shows the inseparable connection of of the two tablets It's a way that Jesus spoke of all of the commandments on the first tablet, all the commandments on the second. And the point is you can't slice and dice and pick and choose among the commandments. All of the commandments of the first tablet concerning love for God are of first importance. 
All of the, se- of the commandments of the second tablet concerning love for neighbor are immediately and inseparably connected. You can't divide the law of God against itself. You can't pit one commandment against another. The law of God is a unity. And as the letter of James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. So when we think about being accountable to the law of God, we must remember what we have learned through this series. We must remember Jesus' words about malicious anger being condemned as murder and lust being condemned as adultery. And on this principle of the internal and the spiritual nature of the law, greed is condemned as theft. Gossip is condemned as false witness. Covetousness is condemned as idolatry. And in the light of the New Testament, the commandments are fully obeyed, not merely by by not committing the sin, per se. We don't fulfill the law by not committing murder, adultery, and so forth. We fulfill the law by positive action for the positive good of our neighbor, protecting innocent life, honoring marriage, sharing with the poor, speaking well about others, being content and grateful for what we have. The Ten Commandments are to be applied internally and spiritually to our hearts, positively to our neighbors in need. In words and thoughts and deeds of love, this is the fulfillment of the law which God requires. How are we doing? And that leads us to the concluding point for today in this passage and in this series. After Jesus had answered the scribe, the scribe congratulated him. You are right. You have truly said that the Lord is one and to love him with all your heart and to love one's neighbor as oneself is is much more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You see, the scribe is sort of giving Jesus a pat on the back. Good answer. Good answer, young man. Now, maybe he was trying to let Jesus know that he he wasn't hostile, he wasn't opposed to him. Maybe he was trying to tell the other Pharisees to back off and ease up. But somehow he he, he seems to think that he's in a position to, to give Jesus a grade on his answer. But whatever the scribe's intentions, Jesus didn't let the conversation end there. He turned it right around and he spoke with authority. He said to him, Jesus said to the scribe, you are not far from the kingdom of God. See see what happened? The scribe thought he was giving Jesus a pat on the back and Jesus turned it right back around and spoke to him with heavenly authority. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, if you were that scribe, how would that answer make you feel? What would you think of it? Think think about that. You are not far from the kingdom of God. Not far? Well, how far is not far? (laughs) I mean, how how close (laughs) how how close am I? It sort of raises that question, doesn't it? It sort of makes you think about those situations in which someone is so close and yet 
so far away from his or her goal. I mean, how close is close enough if you're not all the way there? Well, here's the thing to consider. The scribe had the right answer in his head. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. He knew the right answer. He could say the right words. He believed the right stuff. What else was there? Well, you and I know the right answer, don't we? We've got it in a book right here on the page. We believe the right stuff. We know what God requires to love Him with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. Well, what about us? Are we, are we like the scribe? Not far from the kingdom of God. But how far? How close? You see, knowing what God requires gets us close to the kingdom of God. But it does not get us in. In fact, understanding the law, knowing what God requires, if we're honest, only impresses upon us our failure to obey His law in every way. So then what do we do? And once again now, as we conclude this sermon series, once again, the law of God and Jesus Christ Himself reveals what God requires and also reveals that we in and of ourselves, on our own, have not, do not, cannot be saved by the works of the law because none of us has kept it perfectly. And therefore, once again, the law of God reveals to us our need for a Savior. A Savior who has kept the law in every way from the heart. A Savior who has lived a sinless life of perfect obedience out of love for the Father. A Savior who gave up His life as the perfect atoning sacrifice for sinners whom He loved. Well, if you're not far from the kingdom, how do you get in? What is the way? What did that scribe need to know and believe? What do we need to know and believe? That Jesus Christ Himself is the way into the kingdom. We can't get there on our own. We can't get into the kingdom on our own. There's only one way there, and His name is Jesus. He alone has fulfilled the law for us in our stead by His righteous Life, And that's, let me just point out that this is um, one of the reasons that we, we read the Heidelberg Catechism this morning. Without any merit of my own, out of pure grace, God grants to me the benefits of the perfect sacrifice of Christ, imputing, that is, crediting to me His righteousness and His holiness as if I had never committed a single sin or had ever been sinful, as if I myself had fulfilled all the obedience which Christ has fulfilled for me. You see, it's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ 
by his death on the cross and his resurrection, which gives us new life. Not far from the kingdom, just a step away, the step of repentance and faith. The step of forsaking moral self-confidence and spiritual pride. The step away from religious self-righteousness. The step toward God's grace and mercy freely offered in Jesus Christ. Not far from the kingdom, just a step. That step in which you trust your life, your whole life, to the one who lived for you, died for you, and rose for you. Now, remember that point about the two tablets of the law being inseparably connected. Remember that point about the two tablets of the law being an indivisible unity? Love for God and love for neighbor? Well, if you were going to illustrate that point visually, how would you do it? If you were going to illustrate love for God and love for neighbor as an indivisible unity... If you are going to illustrate love for God and love for neighbor as a unity that really can never be broken, how would you do that? How would you visually illustrate this indivisible, inseparable union of love for God and love for neighbor? Love for God and love for neighbor. How would you do that? How would you do that? Do you see how Jesus did that? The cross was His offering up of Himself in love for God the Father and His offering Himself up in love for you and me so that we might enter the kingdom of God through Him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the glorious gospel of Your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom, by Your grace, we have life and peace, the forgiveness of our sins, deliverance from the dominion of the devil, and life everlasting. We pray, O Lord, that your Holy Spirit will apply the word of truth, the word of life to our hearts, to renew our minds, and to transform our lives, that we might live henceforth more and more a life pleasing to you, walking in your ways by the power of your Holy Spirit, keeping your commandments and seeking to fulfill them in lives of love for you and love for our neighbor. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.